0: He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now.
1: My why is actually my family, right? Mm-hmm. So my, my wife, my kids, you know, grandparents and everything. Yeah. So part of why I started this crazy venture was so that I would have time with my family. Mm-hmm. I wanted to grow up with my kids. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to miss it and then be like, oh man, you guys are leaving, you know, leaving the house. I love my dad, you know, everything, but as I was going, it was kind of like a flashback. I was like, you know what? My dad never came to any of these things for me. Right. And I had a little, you know, a little tear in my eye as I was going. Uh I was also so happy that I could, he, you know, he's like, Oh, whatever. But I was so happy that I could be there to celebrate, you know, this moment with him. Yeah. And having this kind of a work life balance is what's allowing me to do this. And so, know I wouldn't trade it for the world
0: you're listening to Slick Talk the hospitality podcast a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love live and breathe what they do you can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. Running a short-term rental business is challenging and time-consuming. Whether it's 10 units or 1,000 units, trying to keep up with the latest trends, technology, hardware, revenue management, guest support, and R&D, it's become almost impossible and increasingly more expensive for the everyday host. On top of that, all of this tedious work does not allow you to focus on what matters most, and that is your guest. Luckily, this will no longer be a problem. Introducing Journey's MOS, the newest and most advanced tech solution in hospitality. Journey's MOS provides you with a one-stop solution that will automate your entire operation and take care of all of your back office work, allowing you to fully focus on growing your business the way you want to. To learn more about MOS, visit Journey online at journey.com. That's Journey, J-U-R-N-Y.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And man, I'm loving the new intro. John, I'm so excited you get to be the first guest to experience the new Slick Talk uh, intro and outro to the show, but my man, this episode has been a long time in the making, and after getting to meet you at VRMA in person, live, it was so great to see you. I, I I'm just so pumped to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Well, I'm really excited to be on the podcast, and um, you know, like I said, being on this podcast is a huge milestone. So I'm really excited to uh to be on this podcast and you know, kind of have this conversation with you.
0: For sure. Well, this is a, this is a time to get into it because, um, man, your story is in, in, it's incredible. Uh, just listening from your start to where you are today, you've had a lot of accomplishments and I, I just love seeing it shape in action. Right. So, um, let's just start in the beginning. How did you start getting into hospitality, short-term rentals? What was that, you know, founders or beginners aha moment where you're like, all right, this, this is it. (laughs)
1: Um, I think it's kind of like a frog being in a a pot of water that's slowly boiling, right? So there was no real, this is it. But basically, um, I'm an architect by training. And um, in 2013, I actually decided to stop my nine to five uh, and start a development company because I'd worked with some amazing developers who not only made money with uh, development projects, but also I saw that they were creating proper projects that gave back to the community. And so that's what I wanted to be when I grew up, uh, a developer, right? And so I started a company that did ground up new construction development, single family homes. And when you're developing, what happens is cash is always flowing out, 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 out until you go and sell. Yeah. So... During one of my projects, I was vacationing in Hawaii and I heard that the short-term rental thing, you know, creates some positive cash flow. So I just started dabbling with it, you know, I, I got one property, got a manager, and it cash flowed, you know, more than we had anticipated. So it was great, but the management was terrible. <laughs> and so little by little I started taking over pieces of the management. And the other thing is I was living 5,000 miles away. And so from day one, I had to focus on systems because I couldn't just roll out of bed and go and take care of a little issue here, there, anywhere. So it wasn't a person. I just had to have the systems there. So with all that, um, I saw that short-term rental, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. So when you have one or two properties, it seems really easy. And it's like, oh, I'm I'm just going to scale. I'm going to get a lot of properties. But with one or two properties, I just saw like the messages were going to take over my life and the scheduling was going to take over my life. And I didn't want to get to a point where there might be a great investment opportunity, but I was just stretched too thin so that I couldn't take it on. And so that's kind of how I got into this industry, Um, you know doing it. And my goal was to be able to get one property every year into my portfolio. Um, and I was kind of on that track um, and then COVID hit. <laughs> so <laughs> the story of that kind of, uh, you know, of shifted things, but right before COVID, I guess that's, I guess 2019 was kind of the aha moment. Um, early 2019 was when I realized that I actually had a really solid, um, system and company,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and other people actually started asking me to manage their companies because I was bringing so much higher revenue than you know everyone else. Yeah, and then I was doing a real professional job, and so it was growing. And then I was all right, you know, if I go with this, I could probably make uh, something you know big out of it. Uh, and so 2019 was when I was planning on really, really expanding and growing uh, my hospitality company, Ohana Stay. Um, I even went to Legends in Cartagena and that's where I met a lot of folks, including Simon Lehman. Um yeah. and we could talk about that later. Um and then obviously COVID hit. So that's kind of how I got into this industry in a in a nutshell.
0: You know, I, I love it. And I'm curious to know with the cash flow, you know, because I wanna I want to see what was the, were were you a owner? Were you a manager? What was the beginning steps? Uh, Did you, with that one property per year that you're trying to get, was that an owning one property per year? So buying another property every year, or was it managing?
1: Right, so it was owning, right? So it was all for, you know, essentially slowly growing a small portfolio of real estate, right? Gotcha. And and I think that's also one of the things that, I, I wouldn't say it's unique, But I think like an owner, whether I'm managing for someone else or my own property. And there is a different mindset when you think of it as an owner than as a renter or as a, you know, just you just take care of properties very differently than an owner. And so, yeah, it was I was planning on owning each property one a year.
0: Okay, that's good. Good to know. So now my second question goes into your system's. Uh, also leading into more regulation stuff because I know Hawaii itself um, is a little bit more strict when it comes to regulation um, inside of not only short-term rentals but with travel, especially during COVID. Um, but let's talk about your systems in play that you had um, that you're realizing, okay, like this is a this is a scalable um, system that I have pre-COVID and then going into COVID. How did those systems... Change or did they stay the same? I'm kind of curious to hear your before and after.
1: Right. So, before COVID, um, I think a lot of people have heard me say I've onboarded and offboarded over 15 different PMSs uh, in my career, one, five, right? Yeah. And that was with the goal of finding that perfect unicorn PMS that does everything the way I want it all the time, right? And so, you know, I get onto one, you know, certain features wouldn't work. And then I get kind of, I get like the shiny uh, object syndrome and, you know, see the marketing of another one, all that. And then that, you know, the next one would address some issues, but then be terrible at things that, you know, that were working previously, right? Yeah. So obviously I haven't tried every PMS out there (laughs) because there are, you know, too many. Yeah. But I actually have a really good perspective on like determining what's marketing speak and what's actual real feature and kind of asking the right questions to figure things out that way. So basically pre-COVID, I I had a pretty solid tech stack, but what I'll say, and it worked really well for what I needed, but what I'll say is... Um, I had a lot of redundancies or overlaps, and it was kind of wasteful, right? And mm. wasn't enough revenue and everything that it was a small fraction of my expenses, and you know, I was, I guess, a little bit wasteful. Um, during COVID, obviously, I had to kind of slash a lot of my expenses. Yeah. Um, the whole idea was if if you survive, you thrive, right? And mm. that that was all I had in my mind: just survive, figure out some way to get some revenue in to offset, you know, uh, offset all the costs. Yeah. Uh, and so as part of that, I actually both, uh, manpower as well as software, I actually started taking a really hard look at what are the key components that I need in my, in my business and really streamline my tech stack. I mean, I still have like 35 or 40 different, you know, software or <laughs> technologies that I use, yeah. but that's the streamlined version. Right. Um, but yeah it really forced me to think about do i really need this service um what's the value it's it's creating for me um and so it really got streamlined down to the essentials yeah and i have to say right now i operate my expenses i probably cut my overall operating expenses by 25 to 30% between manpower and software uh between pre covid and post covid
0: can you Explain to us um, what the essentials were when it comes to your tech stack. Like what were the key players that were like, this is a, this is a no cut, no brainer.
1: Okay. So obviously that, you know, you have to have a PMS of some sort that sure. manage the calendar and, you know, does communications. So for me, um, the way I've rearranged my tech stack I kind of need to explain how I do it so that it makes sense for sure is again, based on my experience of onboarding and offboarding fifteen different pmss, I don't believe that there can ever be an all in one that works for me and my business. Um, just just assumptions that you know the companies make yeah uh, won't work the way I need them to work. So I take a lot of different tech stack and then I create my own dashboard that brings. The different pieces in and I get the information that I need. Right. And that's, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So for me, the central central uh, component of my tech stack is what used to be hospitable, yeah. um, smart BNB, uh, smart BNB, what used yeah. to be hospitable.
0: Yeah. The other way around.
1: Yeah. Right. And the reason is they do messaging really well. Mm-hmm. they, take care of the calendar and channel distribution to the you know three main uh, channels mm-hmm. um and that's really what i want from kind of the central system and then i can add all the other things around it right so um and then i use obviously pricing uh software i jump back and forth between mostly wheelhouse and price labs sometimes beyond pricing
0: yeah
1: um and uh you know
0: is there is there a reason why you do multiple different uh, pricing. I'm just kind of curious. Cause we, we try to stick with one. We have dabbled with others, but just more on the sense of, Hey, you know, doing what we do in the media space, it's kind of dumb not to try out just on, just, uh, you and I were talking, about know, beta tests, you know, see what, what's different. What do we like? What do we not like? Um, you know, that type of stuff that way we can give an actual opinion. I'm um, just kind of yeah. curious on, on, for you on why you do, uh, three.
1: There, there are different reasons. Sometimes, um, depending on the way an uh, owner that I'm doing revenue management for, depending Mm -hmm. on like how they operate, it might be more cost efficient for me to use one, one tool versus another. Um, Some tools have better informational dashboard. Some tools have way more levers to kind of fine tune what you want to do. And so, you know, I routinely kind of rotate around it based on what I'm seeing in the market, what the client needs, what I want to do. And then also, if I want to be a beta test, the new tools. Gotcha. Uh, and so that's kind of, uh, how I do it, but revenue management is something that I've always, that's the one piece that I've never outsourced. Yeah. I've done that from day one.
0: And that's kind and of what I, your name has been like known for. I've always known John Ann, the revenue manager, like you were just always really good at making people more money. That's all I've heard, uh, especially like in the Facebook groups and through the legends X guys, or you know Jasper and Eric. Uh, so that's what I've always known you for before meeting you and then getting to know you I was like oh damn like this guy's really smart outside of just revenue management so that's pretty cool
1: the one way I'll explain my revenue management is I don't really play golf but um, (laughs) the guy who has like the ugliest swing but somehow managed to you know hit it far and long right like I'm not classically trained but I've done a lot of trial and errors on my own property right that's the benefit of starting with your own properties because then you can play around and experiment and so my processes you know by any traditional revenue manager standard it looks messy mm-hmm. but one way or another it works consistently across multiple markets right yeah. so um yeah that's kind of where my revenue management is cool. what was the, what was the main question I, I lost track
0: um your your three uh um, non-negotiables when it came to tech stack so you're talking about going between beyond price labs and wheelhouse Um Mm -hmm. you talked about uh hospitable. And then is there another uh piece of tech that you just find really crucial?
1: And then the third piece is not something that most people in this industry use, and it's not just one, it's it's things like Zapier and you know those other things that help connect uh one tool to another. For sure. And that's really what I use to then bring in any other piece of tech that comes in. Uh so um yeah. I mean there are lots others that I'd love to like bring up but if I had to just strip it down and just have yeah. you know 3 or 4 that's kind of where where it would be for me.
0: Well I've heard a lot of people talk about Zapier uh recently especially as it's becoming I think it's not very popular in the industry kind of like you said but it's getting to the point where people start mentioning it enough that others are like oh shoot like I just wrote down Zapier again because we were looking at it and we never fully like actually brought it in so it's like oh great another reminder to to check out Zapier because I think you're, you, you mentioned early in the episode that, you know, the messaging and, uh, the pricing and all this other stuff of, of the management side is just going to take too much. If you have to wake up every, or roll out of bed every five minutes, just to go do something, uh, regarding your, your properties. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what markets are you in outside of Ohana?
1: Right, so um, obviously, you know, my main primary market is ha- Hawaii yes. uh, on uh, in Honolulu. Yeah,
0: sorry. that's right. That's why uh, I meant. Um, I mean, ohana. Well, yeah, ohana no,
1: says my company name. Ohana means family <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in Hawaii. Um, but I provide revenue management services or um, kind of the tech tape services, uh, kind of the pulling together the different tech. Yeah. Um, I provide that in Florida and Wisconsin and Colorado and Arizona. Um, And yeah, it's, it's an approach that I take to revenue management. So it's not like just knowing the market. In fact, I rely on my clients to help me understand what the market is, but then I apply my systems and my processes to it and, you know, kind of can over about a month to two months, Can ramp up and start bringing in the higher revenue uh, amounts than than they traditionally have been, Mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, those are the markets that I'm currently in, Um, and I'm in discussion with some people in Texas and you know, kind of wherever people. Basically, you want to make money, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I call revenue management. I call it cash.
0: <laughs> hey, I like that. That's, a good, that's the best version of it because it's it's crazy. Like, I, I came from the hotel revenue management side uh, versus the short-term rental, and it's very different but very similar, but I find the short-term rental revenue management processes and tools to be so much more further advanced. Like I went to Cornell's um, revenue management school and I did, you know, got my certification through there, but I'm learning way more by applying certain like tools and just overall tactics to a short-term rental property um, in a competitive market rather than I ever learned in the Cornell. Can I show
1: my one controversial thought on revenue management between hotel approach and short-term rental approach?
0: Yeah, Yeah, of course. I'm all ears.
1: So in the hotel industry, um, you know, revenue management, the fundamental basis, it seems, is the comp set, right? And sure. you develop a huge comp set. And it makes sense because all the players in the field play by basically a set of rules that you all agree on, right? And so the data is, it's a validated data set because everyone's playing by the same rules. Yeah. In the short-term rental industry, you talk to 50 different operators in the same market. And everyone has a different set of max, min, how they operate, right? Yeah. So data is not, it's not a valid data set.
2: For
1: sure. And yet all the big, you know, whether it's Price Labs or Real House, they're basically just aggregating the invalid data and finding some average, right? Mm -hmm. And so the comp set to me helps you see what the market is doing, but it's not, I don't look at the numbers for the pricing because it, it's, it's an invalid, you know, data set. Yeah. Well, so that's something that I know a lot of hotel folks kind of cringe when I say, you know, I don't think, you know, comp sets should be kind of this like Holy grail. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's kind of my, my attitude towards it. Well, so it, anyway.
0: It's very true though, that if you look at a short-term rental or a vacation rental, they're very different, very unique and they operate differently because of the type of, owner you have one owner per property versus one owner for 50 rooms right so it's so much different when you take the number of inventory to the comparison of the inventory what the the uniqueness behind the amenities the location the everything the way they operate you know the a lot of people like when i was out in the cannon beach seaside area hotels they don't give it like they didn't care they were just like yeah 60 dollars a night let's do it we're gonna sell out and then the short-term rentals, uh, the homes, the Airbnbs, quote unquote, um, you know, we're we're going, you know, nothing worth, nothing nothing less than a five-night minimum. I don't care if I'm leaving money on the table. I don't want that type of guest that mm-hmm. pays sixty dollars a night for a hotel room and thinks they can just trash it or do whatever. I want the families that are going to be here for a week. They're going to treat my pra- my place like home. And if I don't get booked during a certain week or a weekend, then that's fine. I'd, I don't want it. So it's very. Very much different and unique in that way.
1: Yeah, so you know, I I hear some people who think they found the secret to the pricing is like, yeah. I look at my competitors, and I price five percent below, right? <laughs> I'm just like, that's a race to the bottom. Like, if <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that that's a race to the bottom, so exactly. Uh, that's the data set that a lot of these aggregators are are using to say, hey, this is the average price. So anyway. I'll get off of this, my my soapbox here. (laughs)
0: It's okay. That's what we're here for. We'd like to chop it up a little bit on the podcast. But, um, okay, so let's dive into you said something that I really, really am curious about. And I've been, as we were messaging on Facebook, I even messaged you a couple times like, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Please tell me more. And uh, you talk about these pieces of tech, right? That you pulled together into one unified dashboard that only gives you the information that you need and want for your business. Now, I want to know one, how did you even think of this idea. Like I know we've always talked on the podcast. Um, I've talked to a lot of other operators that it would just be so great if we had a unified dashboard, if all these pieces were in one you know, one place. So that way I don't have to log into 20 different accounts. Um, but there's never been a real product. There's companies are coming up with their own products that have all these tools that they've created or they've pieced together kind of in a similar way, I'm assuming, but you jumped in and were just like, you know what, I'm going to create my own. How did you even start and like figure this out? This is where I want to know uh, on the on the geeky side of things. Like, what is tech tape basically? Give me give me the details.
1: Right. So tech tape is essentially, you know the you know the fun, the fun way to describe it is duct tape for the short term rental technology space, right? So again, I'm taking what's best in class for my, my business or my client's business and figuring out what are the pain points and then seeing, okay, how can I take off the shelf existing products and make it work for your workflow, right? Because we have so much innovation in this space, but also so much fragmentation. So how did I start it? It, it really actually started because of trying to make the workflow for my VAs. Yeah. smoother and easier because they were the ones that were jumping in and hopping out and logging in and locking out and the big frustration for me was they would make mistakes yeah. and they're only human they're going to make mistakes right so the process is flawed because it's so fragmented so as i noticed you know the same mistakes being made over and over again you know i kind of thought like all right like what what is the critical piece of information that that piece of software is, is creating. Mm -hmm. What is it that my staff need to know so that they can quickly make some decisions? And then if they have to dig in, yes, then they have to log into that tool and everything Mm -hmm. to all the details. But you know, what's that like level of information that they can have so that I get frustrated when people make more than the same mistake, more than two or three times, right. Or when I make the same mistake two or three times, And I kept on running into that with, you know, all the different tech, you know, stack that I I used. So it kind of derived from my own work process of saying, hey, you know, this tool, um, even some of the hardware tools, like, um, like the locks, right? Yeah. Like I can get visibility into the battery levels of the lock, but I have to log in to do that, right? Yep. All right, so if my VAs can see kind of the overall level and then track it after every in you know, every guest, then we're able to plan for batteries running out. Hundred uh, Smoke detectors or carbon monoxide detectors. I don't know. Most people are probably in violation of their insurance requirements, but you need to be checking that after every guest, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And I can't rely on my cleaners to do that, so I have it so that we can remotely monitor it. Mm-hmm. Track it so that if there's ever an insurance claim, I have a long history of, you know, it was faulty this time, we replaced it, and so it'll work with my insurance, right? Yep. So it's all these things that, like, you know that you need to do, but I don't think there's a single PMS out there that will allow you to track uh, smoke detectors and seal, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's that, that's that owner mindset right there that you're just talking about. That's not an operator uh, or um, guest mindset. That-, that is definitely the owner mindset.
1: Exactly. If there's a huge insurance claim, they're going to say, you know, if there's a fire show us that you've been monitoring your smoke detector. hundred percent If you don't have it, then it's going to be, sorry, you didn't, you know, clearly says this is a requirement, right? So
0: it brings up a conversation that I had with Justin Ford from breezeway. Cause we were talking about the safety certification and all this stuff. And I went through the course with him and, and all these other things. And he said, you know, that a lot of property managers are thinking like, oh, if anything does happen, a fire or whatever, it's not my fault, it's not my property, I don't own it, my name's not on the, on the deed uh, or, or on the loan from the bank, whatever. But that's actually very false. Like if you are the property management and you take responsibility as, a, as an operator in that way, with the contract signed, you are responsible. That is part of your job as, a, as an operator. Um, so I think a lot of operators need to start bringing in that mindset of ownership. Um, like you, I think that's a perfect example.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I get there are lots of opportunities right now with the arbitrage model, and you know, people trying to get in, you know, with very little investment. Yeah. But you know, again, the bad side to that is a lot of these folks also not only don't understand short term rental, mm-hmm. but also don't understand ownership, right? Or and, hospitality. Right. It's just kind of like, how do I make money? Yeah. As opposed to how do I preserve this asset how do i make sure it continues to you know how do i make it a sustainable
0: down? a sustainable business that is yeah. here to you know surpass covid19 and all these other things are going to happen in the world
1: so, right yeah. and i'm not saying everyone who does arbitrage does that but i'm no. just saying yeah it make the barrier to entry becomes lower and lower and lower that you do get some people who enter into this market kind of without the right mindset i guess 100%. is uh, you know
0: Yeah. I'll back you up on that one. (laughs) So, so back to tech tape. So now you have all these pieces in one dashboard. How did you, how did you create it? Did you bring out a developer? Are you gifted in this area that we didn't know? Um, I'm kind of curious to, to see how you brought the pieces together. I'm assuming Zapier is probably a, a part of it too, just because of their, their automation and their, their zap ability.
1: Yeah. So it's multiple pieces, right? But the key thing, so no, I'm not a developer, right? I'm, I'm savvy enough to kind of I could take a piece piece of script or code that's yeah. already been written and then I can kind of kind of see oh this is the variable this is what it's trying to tell it to do but I'm not a I can't write code right okay. so everything that I do is off the shelf I use off the shelf products whether on the short-term rental technology side or uh integrating things right so that's why I mentioned Zapier mm. um I also use a platform called Airtable. Again, off the shelf, right? It's yeah. a it's essentially spreadsheet on steroids, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's crazy what it can do. And so by doing that, one, you know, a, a, a normal, regular human being that doesn't know how to program, if you're, you know, if you're dedicated and if you want to find out and if you want to make things work. You can make things work, right, without programming. But the real benefit to my approach, which I think is very different from a lot of other folks, is I could turn features around in a day or two that works for me, Mm. right? It's not this long technology roadmap that takes three months to first put it onto the roadmap and then six months to start getting the beta, right? So I think there's a book called uh, The Lean Startup, right? And it talks about like quickly get to your MVP, test it out, see how it works, get feedback, revise it and, you know, continue on. Right. And so literally like my VAs will alert me of a breakdown in the process, Mm -hmm. typically within a day or two, they actually have a solution. It's not the most, you know, it doesn't have the shiny buttons. It doesn't have, you know, all that stuff, but it works. Right and not only for myself but for the clients that I provide the service for it's a quick turnaround time it's not a you know 6 9 month one year development roadmap to get it in yeah if i can figure out okay these pieces can be again duct taped together yeah then it's usually a, a day or two process to get it working and operational within your business right so it's more it's a service it's not a product most people think of all the software to be a product, so that you have to develop this one software that works for everyone. The way I approach it is, it's a semi-customized service, where we identify what are the two or three specific pain points. Yeah, let's figure it out, and then let's get a solution that works for you within, you know, the next three to five days, right? Mm. So that's it's a very different mentality. If I was writing code. It will take me you know, three months, six yeah. months, nine months to develop any new feature.
0: I've said this on Slick Talk many times before, and as time goes on, it becomes more and more true. Operators have been so used to multiple logins, different dashboards, and overall segregated data points for their hospitality brand. I'm proud to say this is no longer going to be the case for the industry. As a podcast partner, Journey MOS is made for operators by operators. One dashboard, one solution to keep your business in shape and ahead of the competition. If you think this is too good to be true, then you need to go to journey.com. That is J-U-R-N-Y.com to learn how Journey MOS can get you ahead of the big players in your market. And now, back to the episode. No, that's very true. And a lot of people... I get this comment pretty often. Um, A lot of people, entrepreneurs, people in the space, um, people outside of the space, people in networks, whatever, um, they always say, like, man, you execute so fast. It's like, how do you do that? It's like, because you have to create systems that are easily changeable and easy to just pull the trigger on. It's just like what you're talking about. If you have to take six months with a a client to fix one little thing, um, you know, that that just becomes frustrating. And by the time you solve it, which – A great example is is Disney their their software. In order to make a change into their overall software that they use to run all their hotels and and all their resorts and everything inside Disney World, it takes two years to develop that and change make one simple change. Whether it's moving the logo from the left hand side to the right hand side, whatever, like takes two years to make a change. So by the time it's done, they don't need it. They've already mastered their own way to solve that that issue. Whether it's you know just doing a couple extra steps or changing a step here on how they operate things. Um, and that just benefits nobody, nobody. So I like that approach that you're taking with, you know, being able to say, you know, we have we have one to two days, three days, whatever, a daytime, not a, not a two-year time, right? So I think that's way more important, especially because we all know that with short-term rentals, hospitality in general, bookings are coming in cancellations happen uh changes happen all the stuff like things are happening in the business especially as you're onboarding new properties uh, maybe offboarding a couple properties whatever it may be there's a lot that goes in to the day day day-to-day operations so to be able to execute faster uh with proper tools like something like this i think is really important so tech tape is not a just it's not just a product it's kind of a product but it's more of a service behind the product that. That you guys
1: bring. Again, that's why I call it semi customized. Part of it is, I guess, the consulting part of really identifying what are your specific pain points, not this laundry list of all features that you've ever wanted. For sure. And then once you have those, once we decide, okay, these are the specific ones, then 90% of the time, we could probably find a solution. So I
0: love that. Well, you mentioned consulting. So um, I want to, you know, pull out the uh the elephant in the room uh, just <laughs> That's a small elephant i <laughs> know very small elephant because it's in a small room uh, but uh, recently i would say like what a week or two a couple weeks ago we saw you uh, announce that you're part of now ajl um which you're the the head of the u.s um so let's talk about this like what what tell tell us more pretty much is what i'm asking
1: all right so let's start with kind of how, like how it developed. And then, you know, obviously I'd love to talk about HAL. Yeah. Um, so tech tape, I actually, um, it's something that I've been doing, but I actually like made it a a thing, a, pro- a separate product from my property management business. Yeah. Which is um, all that um, because right now in Honolulu, there's a crazy, crazy legislation that's, aimed at shutting down pretty much all short-term rentals other than hotels, right? Mm -hmm. And my business is, like, centrally located in in Honolulu. And so if that gets shut down, you know, my business overnight is gone, right? And so I finally, it it forced me to take that step of thinking, branding, creating, uh, you know, the service, this product, right? Yeah. And so that... So the legislation kind of drove me to kind of think of a plan B that, you know, allows me to continue to stay in the industry that I love and to share some services and knowledge and expertise that I've developed over the years. I had mentioned before that I had met Simon at Cartagena, uh, I guess that was the beginning of 2020, right before COVID. Right. And, um, you know, obviously we had spent a few days there with lots of other, you know, high level operators, but I remember the one moment I was, you know, we were taking a day off and we were all on a boat ride. And I remember distinctly thinking, I, I was having a beer with Simon and that was the time I was like, you know what? I can, you know, I can approach Simon. Like, you know, he's a regular dude that I can say hello to. Right. Mm-hmm. But up to the I was like, oh my God, this is Simon Layman, Right. Yeah. Um, so I was going to VRMA, uh, in San Antonio and I knew Simon was going to be there. So I really wanted to kind of get kind of market validation and get some feedback from Simon on tech tape and what I saw as problems in the industry and, you know, how tech tape would solve it. Um, and our conversation, as we were talking about H-HAL's, uh needs and tech tapes needs, um, there were not just technically but there was just a lot of overlap in terms of you know what i could provide and what you know what i do and how i do things and then obviously you know what hal does and some areas where i could potentially uh, assist and so that's kind of how this whole hal uh you know thing develops right yeah uh and so yes so my role in the us for hal I, so hal you know, as the go-to partner in the short-term rental industry. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I, I really need to say that, but I think they're obviously they're way more known in Europe than in the U S and sure. so that's, that's part of the reason why, you know, I'm partnering up with, uh, with AJL. but basically AJL provides consulting services all the way from private equity to investing and, in, you know, mergers and acquisitions, all the way down to, you know, 50 unit operators and, you know, helping them with their linen counts and, uh, you know, basic on the ground operations and everything in between. Mm -hmm. Right. They also, uh, you know, as tech startups are starting up, you know, HAL also provides consulting to kind of strategically help the startup, uh, you know, develop the product, get in front of the right people, get the investments and all that. So it's basically all facets of the short-term rental industry. For sure. um, I don't know if Simon agrees with this, but my analogy is it's like the management consultant of the short-term rental industry, um, you know, just focus on the short-term rental industry, right? Sure. And well, we can help with business operations uh, across the board. Um, and so my role is essentially you know AJL has had clients in Australia and Southeast Asia obviously in Europe and in North America and in South America mm-hmm. but partly due to the time constraints partly because they're physically based in Europe it's very difficult to service the US market yeah uh, and so my role is to basically you know expand AJL services across all you know all businesses in the US and obviously i'm more i come from the on the ground you know yeah. operations technical you know that type of consulting right yeah. yeah um but already in the past two weeks um it's been eye opening to see kind of the the breadth of you know of activity and things that this industry uh uh you know can have impact on and so I'm all on board. I'm excited.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, it's, this was definitely not the path that I imagined. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I always imagined, you know, you know, Ohana stay or tech tape, you know, and not just be focusing and just plowing away. And these things are all going on. Right. But being able to work with AJL is, you know, is, uh, is an amazing opportunity. For sure. um, And yeah, so that's, that's where, where this stands.
0: Well, let me ask you a question as a founder. Uh, you know, you have your own businesses. Um you're doing this with AJL. What does it look like for for you on a day-to-day when it comes to time management? How do you how do you balance out your your I know it gets crazy. Like in people like I don't even have the same answer. I don't have the same answer I used to have where I was like, "Oh, I got a very detailed calendar and blah blah blah." um sometimes you just can't do it you have to go you have to go off your schedule go out of your habits your routines whatever but i'm just kind of curious you 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 have so much uh that you've built um you you're you're a very good when it comes to like when i think of you and what you've built with ohana stays with, with hearing tech tape and now being with ajl i think that you, your quality you, you just do really good quality uh whether it's service building a management company that you know builds good quality of guest experience good revenue good operations like it's just very good there's not a part that i'm not like oh well you could probably improve on this area you know like you're, you're very detailed and i like that uh, but how do you manage your time how do you you know obviously there's some key aspects of your of your businesses that have automation in, involved you have vas but i i don't know i just as a founder i'm, I'm always curious to hear founders day to days. you know their their habits their their routines the things that they create and do for themselves that work out for uh, for them.
1: Yeah. There are lots of things to improve (laughs) so many things. Right. But, um, uh, I think the key issue, key thing that kind of helps me is I started, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, you know, creating my own companies. Yeah. Um, I started that actually my why is actually my family. Right. Mm. So, my my wife my kids you know grandparents and everything yeah so part of why i started this crazy venture was so that i would have time with my family mm-hmm. i wanted to grow up with my kids yeah. you know i didn't want to miss it and then be like oh man you guys are leaving you know leaving the house yeah um and so that's part of the foundation and i you know i, I lose focus obviously sometimes um I think we but yeah, but that's kind of the overall outline that that I work with, right? Mm-hmm. And then so between Ohana Stay and Tech Tape, to me, it's all the same thing, right? Yeah. It's separate services, but it's the same exact business. And so it, to me, it doesn't feel like two different businesses. It's you know using the same system and helping to solve problems. So that's not all that challenging right now. Um, obviously, with onboarding with hal that's going to create some you know additional time constraints and everything and that i'll figure out as as i go along the other thing that i do is i live and die by my calendar um yeah amen so, to that amen to that and so you know i have my calendar i finally got my wife to start using the calendar the way we need to <laughs> and so yeah, you know people <laughs> Do you have yeah. your
0: wife booking like date nights and everything or blocking off time? Please. Yeah,
1: if it's something that like my time has to be blocked out, yeah. there's a specific calendar where she blocks that out.
0: Right. That's awesome.
1: Um, and, you know, my schedule is pretty much available for anyone to book. Right. If anyone wants to, you know, chat, there's a Calendly link. Right. Um, but then I also have big blocks of time that I, I block out weekends. I block out completely. 100%. And So I, I guess I try to, you know, kind of create what the boundaries are that I'm willing to to do. Uh, and then out of that, within that, you know, the remainder of the time, that's where I need to kind of figure out what I need to focus on. I think I'm pretty awesome. I'm pretty good at, when I start feeling overwhelmed, I'm pretty good at taking a step back and saying, um, "What are the most, you know, urgent or most critical things that I need to be working on, or what are, you know, the most value driving things that I need to be working on?" And so that I can focus on that at the time that I need to. And I think it's it's that discipline of you know, blocking out my boundaries and then working within that. Uh, I don't know. That's yeah. all I can say, but I have to say recently, my schedule has gotten a lot busier. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I'm well, trying to keep that, you know, true.
0: Well, it's good that you, I don't know, a lot of people, if I ask them that question outside of the podcast or like in person, um, a lot of them don't have like that self-awareness to know like when they're burning out or when they need to block off, like, Hey, I just need to sit back and like, what are the top priorities I need to focus on and cu- kind of cut out the noise. Right. Cause we get so, I don't know. At least I do. I feel like I get hit so many different directions with different things. And it's like, it's like, Oh my gosh, I want to hit all of them. Right. You want to be, you don't want to be that guy that gets too busy to, to work with people or to, to talk to somebody or to give an opinion or to whatever. I don't know. Um, and I actually had a like interesting time at um, the live Res partner conference uh, talking with Andrew Bate, uh, CEO of safely. And he's like, you know, there's going to be a point where you're going to, you're not gonna be able to talk to everybody and you're going to, you know, be too busy for, for some people. And that's, that's okay. And I was like, well, but I don't want to get that way. And, and I, I think it's very good for, for us as entrepreneurs, um, especially in this industry, you know, to be very self-aware of, you know, our, our why I love that you mentioned your why I saw you post, uh, on Facebook, a picture with you and your son going to the barber shop and I saw the great mission that
1: I want to keep going. Like, yeah. As long as he'll let me, yeah get a haircut with him right
0: yeah no that's great I'm, i i'm a big fan of that like i just um uh, you know my, me and my dad were never close as 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 a kid but you know as an adult now it's fine as
1: actually i mean he was there
0: yeah
1: yeah and i think last night my son his middle school uh he was one of the recipients of a character award oh. right and i'm so proud of him yeah we went and you know I love my dad, you know, everything, but as I was going, it was kind of like a flashback. I was like, you know what? My dad never came to any of these things for me. Right. And I had a little, you know, a little tear in my eye as I was going. Uh I was also so happy that I could, he, you know, he's like, Oh, whatever. But I was so happy that I could be there to celebrate, you know, this moment with him. Yeah. And having this kind of a work life balance is what's allowing me to do this. And so, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world.
0: For sure, and I'm I'm like legit, like close to crying because it brings up like memories of of my childhood stuff uh, as well. Like, yeah, it's and it's really important. I think you know when we're talking about like you're thinking about those moments, but your your son now is going to be the opposite. He's going to be thinking about when he's going to the school with his kid. Um, he's going to be having a happy <laughs> tear in his eye because like, man, my dad went to all my stuff. So of course, I'm going to go to my. He to be like,
1: oh man. I'm <laughs> this because it was so cheesy when my dad <laughs> came with me right so i don't know how it'll work out but i was just really happy that i, I could be you know there yeah no I, I love that i
0: love that well that's a that that makes me really happy and i think that's a good note um for for us to to leave off on, on the podcast a happy father-son moment um it's always a good always a good one for the audience um john i always like to ask all the listeners uh before we end the podcast where's the best place that we can connect with you? Um, social media, website, anything like that. Email, whatever you want. You tell the people where they where they should go and we'll, we'll send them that way.
1: Yeah, I think um, the best email address or website right now to find me and contact me, uh, email is john.on, that's J-O-H-N dot A-N at gettechtape.com, g e t t e c h T a P e.com. And then the website is get And, you know, there's a way to reach out to me that way. The website is very bare, so it doesn't explain what it is, but um, you can find me that way. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn as well uh, and Facebook. So especially on LinkedIn, I pretty much accept any, uh, any connection request. Yeah. so if you connect with me that way, then, you know, you can kind of see some of my, uh, you know, my posts
0: and my thoughts. Love it. Love it. Well, we'll make sure we put everything in the show notes. So that way people that are listening, uh, whether they're driving and, you know, going to click on it after they're done driving, don't, don't listen or don't podcast and drive, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll make sure it's all in the show notes so that everyone has access to you. Uh, I love your story and I'm just super thankful to have you on the podcast. Uh, it's been a really good time talking to you. So uh, you heard it first, Slick Talkers, go ahead, check out the show notes and we'll see you guys again next week. Thanks well. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk the Hospitality Podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on SlickTalkThePodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. As I've been growing my business and finding new ways to add to my property portfolio, I have to think about how I can anticipate the homeowner's needs, just like I do for my guests. One of the things owners always ask is how is my property going to be protected? What happens if something gets damaged or worse? These are valid questions and concerns, and I have an opportunity to address these concerns before they even get mentioned. All thanks to having Safely as part of my toolkit. I can ensure all stakeholders are covered during a guest stay and use this information as a way to grow my business by ensuring my property owners know they can trust that I have them covered. If you're a professional property manager, then you need to get safely in your tool belt so you can focus on operating and growing your business. Thanks for listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, back to an episode. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast.